0: You're listening to a DM podcast. Oh, I think you just got to do it. Just bite the bullet and just get into it. I think you're just wasting your time if you keep putting it off anymore. Like your idea tomorrow isn't going to be any better in three weeks time. Like you're just going to get better by practicing and doing it.
1: Welcome to Behind the Podcast, your weekly dive into some of Australia's most interesting and influential podcasts and the story behind them. I'm your host, Anthony Stockdale, and as always I'm joined by Jules Batstone. G'day. Today we're talking to Dylan Buckley. His podcast, Dylan Friends, has been nominated for Best Sports Show at the 2020 Australian Podcast Awards. This is not your average sports show. There is no discussion of scores or tactics, instead, it's long-form one-on-one conversations with people in and around sports and high performance.
2: Dill kicked off his career playing in the AFL for Carlton and then moved up to GWS. When he finished his AFL career, he was looking for a new path, and since he's got such an inquisitive mind and a talent for shooting the shit with people, podcasting turned out to be the ideal medium for him. If you haven't heard the show, here's a taste.
0: You must have some serious mental resilience. How thick is that skin? Yeah, well, that's the one thing when I look back on everything I'm the most proud of, because I know that quite easily I could have gone off the other side and kind of reacted and
2: done something wrong or, you know, even in terms of like... Just lost confidence. Exactly, like your mental state... I'm proud that I built the tools and got to a point where all
0: I really valued was what was internal, Mm. my my teammates, how they thought about me. Every time I played footy, all I wanted to do was be a good teammate. I didn't really care about my own game. Let's roll in. Dill. tell us how you got here. My obvious journey is school and straight into footy, and that was my only pathway I ever knew, Um, and it was sort of what was ever in my mind, and yeah, I was lucky enough to do that for eight years um, at the highest level, six years at Carlton and, and two years in In Sydney with the Giants and um, yeah very very blessed and look back on that very fondly but that's how I probably got my start and um, in podcasting and how I sort of got my start really in life because it sort of just gave me a bit of a platform to sort of grow and I suppose when you're playing footy full-time you've you've obviously a full-time job but there's so much spare time there to sort of invest in your off-field growth as well so it was something that I always took really seriously because I never really felt comfortable at a level of AFL like it was something where I look back now and it was just like the most stressful eight years of my life because it was just like (laughs) every year I was just like, what's next? You know, like, am I going to get another year? I'm going to have to go become a tradie or am I going to have to do this? So lucky enough to be here with you guys. So thank you very much, Stocks and Jules, having me. Massive fan of behind the the podcast. So um, I'm actually honored to be, be on the show.
2: Thanks very much. We didn't actually ask him to say that. That was completely unprompted. We will point out. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were playing footy, I imagine you had a bit of downtime between training and games. Is that where you started to envisage a career in media or was it just shits and giggles at that stage?
0: Honestly, just shits and giggles early days. Like I just loved talking to my mates and just I've always been a very curious person, so um, one thing I loved doing in footy was people used to say like I was a, I used to love networking. I used to think it was called networking. I used the word networking because I used to love asking people questions of like how did they do this, how did you do that because growing up in AFL, and this sounds really stupid, but because I got to footy, I'd always be really confused at how people got to where they got to because I was like, well, like, how did you do that? Like, I don't understand it. Did you like go to school then you got this job and then what happened? Did you get a promotion? And like, when you go to work, like what is, you, you rock up and does someone tell you what to do? Or like, do you just do what you need to do? Like, I just didn't know. And I, I think one thing if we get onto the podcasting sort of side of things, I'm just, I didn't realize this until I got into it, but I was never afraid of asking dumb questions. And I suppose I did that as a player, I did it as a friend and, I think the more you get into interviewing, you realise there's no such thing as a dumb question and people say that all the time. But yeah, honestly, I just I just got into it and I was always catching up with people outside of the club in like real estate, building and all these sorts of things that most, you know, footy players transition into. And in that time, I, you know, didn't really work out what I wanted to do, but I worked out what I didn't want to do. And I knew that that wasn't something that was, you know, I was really keen on. But one thing that, a guy, um, Luca Ganano, who's still a you know massive influence on me and a friendship of uh, you know that will last forever for me, was was a head of media at Carlton. He just said, mate, you know we've got this show that we want you to do. It's called Discussions with Dylan, and basically like it was just this show that they had to you know get going to interview the boys. And the real reason he came to me was no one else wanted to do it. Literally, every single person had been pitched to, no one wanted to do it. And he goes, mate, like you'll actually enjoy it. You know, you can talk to the boys and just relax and. Have fun. So I did that with him and it ended up just like going really well. And I was like, well, maybe this is something I could do, you know, post footy. And, and um, that's honestly where it all started. Discussions with Dylan looked like a lot of fun. Bit of a 70s
1: sitcom vibe to it. Did you come up with that or did they bring that to you?
0: No, they brought that to me completely. And I think it was the worst thing that happened because sometimes, again, I talk about the footy thing a lot, but it's just athletes in general, I suppose. When you're, when you're working in an industry, like footy, it's so big and people just bend over backwards for you and they just do everything. So, like, they, you know, set up, they filmed it, they edited it, they wrote down all the questions. All I had to do was literally rock up and read a piece of paper. Like, I had nothing to do with the show. They actually liked it more when I didn't even read the questions before I went on because half of the time was just me just stumbling over, like, the places and, you know, just – really bad comedy, I suppose. And, and that was literally it. It was just questions from people. And, you know, I'd sort of just try and get one of the boys on. And at the start, you know, I was getting like the Category B rookies on. But then as it started going and started becoming a bit more acceptable, like, you know, all the guys are coming on. They loved it. So,
2: Yeah, even in the early stages, you're pulling up good nuggets about people's past. Did you want this to be a part of your interview technique?
0: Yeah, pretty much. I think I just did it, did it naturally. Like, I wasn't doing it to interview someone. I was just genuinely curious on how people get got to where they were and that wasn't necessarily in sport because that was probably something I was familiar with but it was more just successful people and I think one thing I've learned from chatting to all these people like it's people go like well, you know why do you do this and selfishly there's a little part there where like I just love learning from all these different people and you realize how many things they have in common like whether it be an athlete or a successful person or someone with a good story it's all the same things you know it's like gratitude Determination, yeah. you know, structure, like just you know, set like learning from setbacks, being positive. It's all it's all the same shit. And you just realise like there's no coincidence in why people are successful because it's it's a pretty simple recipe. So then you moved up to Sydney.
1: So that means you leave discussions with Dylan behind. New city, how was that?
0: Oh, it was pretty daunting, man. Like I so basically when I when I left for the new city, I didn't leave um off my own back. I was like pretty much fired, which is you know called sacked in footy. So I was delisted. <laughs> and that was tough like I really was fed up with footy at that stage and I was ready to transition to something new because as, as much as I said like I love footy but it was never my why it wasn't my you know something that I did it was just my right now that was probably the scariest time for me like that month after because it got to the stage where you know I living in my own home which I was really fortunate enough to be able to do that through playing footy but the thing that comes with a home loan is like mortgages don't start when you don't have jobs as much as I'd been proactive I still hadn't worked out what I wanted to do and I was, like, in a month period there where, like, I just wasn't getting, you know, next paycheck, you know, I had my my missus living with me, and I was, like, far out, like, you idiot, like, I cannot believe, like, I just didn't do something to really transition out well out of the game, because it was something my dad had always told me, you know, he didn't do it that well, because he had played footy, and he was like, mate, you just got to, you know, get this on your feet, do this, so, long story short, that was a very stressful time, the... 30 days after that was the time where GWS in the Sydney team came knocking and they said, look, mate, we've got a, a rookie contract up here, which is, which is pretty much, you know, we'll just pay my bills for me and I'd come up here and live up here. And it wasn't about making money for me and that's it's never been a thing for me, but it was more about the experience and I just really wanted to get out of Melbourne and do something different and learning out, you know, a bit more about myself. I was a bit of a mummer's boy, you know, I'd grown up in Norfolk, Troy, played footy for Carlton, went to school five minutes down the road. I'd lived in a bubble my whole life, like within like 10 kilometres, and if people had said, you know, that I'd be moving interstate, like, that knew me, they'd just laugh, because it just wouldn't have been something that, I I, I didn't think I could even do it, to be honest, and I was 26 years of age, I was 25, so. You came from
2: an AFL family, which is a big deal in Victoria, did you find you had a little less notoriety when you came up to Sydney, and was that a
0: chance to reset? Yeah, I, I was never a fame. like, I wasn't a big name in Melbourne at all, but there was a big, cl- I played for a big club, so, like, yeah. obviously there's going to be people that know, and my dad used to play footy as well, so. There was that, that little bit of a stigma to it, but yeah, I think that was the biggest thing for me was coming up to Sydney and just being my own person and just being able to sort of start fresh with no you know baggage behind it. So yeah, that was honestly, I still look at it to this day, You know, moving up to Sydney, meeting Stocks and the, the Diamantina lads and doing a bit of work at Triple M and, and just moving up there, like without a doubt was like the best thing that ever happened to me. So you're living in a new city. You've got a second chance at a footy career. Did you approach
1: that year with a different outlook?
0: Yeah, 100%. That's exactly, like, I just said, look, this is my second chance to to do something now. Like, you know, I only had a one-year deal again, so it was no promises. It was move up here for one year. I pretty much said to myself at that time, I was just like, look, I'm going to be a part-time footballer. While I'm at the club, I'm just going to go 100% and, like, do as much as I can to play AFL, but as soon as I leave, I need to do something else. And that's honestly where the podcast started. Like I I said, I want to do my own thing here because the club was like, oh, do you want to do something with us? And I was like, well, if I get to list it again, then you own it so I can't take it with me. And I was like, I just want to start my own thing by myself. Did
2: you think that going into radio was the natural progression?
0: Yeah, well, that's the only thing I thought. Like I didn't know if there was anything else out there and that's, you know, just sort of, I didn't really have any mentors or anything in the Mm. system. And I was like, well, I've got to try and get on radio. I'm just going to go in there and ask to do things and the holiday shifts or something like that to learn but after that experience it sort of scarred me and I was just like I never want to work for like a company I just want to like do my own thing because like you're your own boss and like you can just do your own thing and working with footy clubs I was like well I was on one year deals and it was like well they were telling me to you know you can play but if we don't want you you can't play anymore and it's like well I wanted to like do my own podcast and like not have anyone tell me that like I can't do it anymore and just I could just keep going. It's in my control and like I'm not dictated to by someone else. So um, that was a massive, massive part for me and that's where I met Burmo, who's with with Diamantina and, and then, you know, came with stocks and they really Helped me and mentored me into how to do that because they've obviously been doing that for a long time.
1: All right, so let's go to your first episode.
0: Oh, do we have to?
1: <laughs> no, we? we had to listen to it the other day. Look, mate, it's all there. It's just a lot shorter. It's a 15 minute episode. But tell us about that processor.
0: Oh, man. It took like four goes to do it, to be honest. Like, I bought a Zoom H5 recorder and it was like 300 bucks. And at that time as well, and still is, and 300 bucks is a lot of money. But when you don't have any money and you're investing in that, you're just like, it was a massive thing. So like when I did that, I just remember going like shit, this is serious, you know. It seems funny looking back that now, being like three hundred dollars. But like that was, you know, all I had. And I was like, okay, I've got to do this. Obviously I had, you know, access to some really good plays at the Giants. So I got one of my, my good mates, Josh Kelly, on the show. Oh, I was so nerve-wracking. I remember like just putting it on a table. We're sitting outside. It was windy, birds everywhere, and basically just talking into this like record there was no mics, it was just like a thing on the um on the table. Yeah, I just remember that. And I remember it just felt like we're speaking forever. And I was like, oh, are people going to be able to tune in for this long? And it was like 14 minutes. Exactly what you said then, Stocks. Like you look back now and you sort of cringe a little bit. But I was like, if I didn't didn't start there, like I wouldn't have started at all. And like so many people, I think, want to start a podcast and they want it to be exactly where it is straight away. But I think just starting is like the main thing. If you don't start, you're not going to get to where you want to be. So I think just starting literally, even if it's on a laptop or it's on a phone, Better than waiting until you get the mics because you're gonna have to still go through those shit stages anyway. Like you learn so much each yeah. time you do it. Like even now, by no means am I good at interviewing people, but like I just learn something every time. Like I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I probably should have let him just expand on that or you know, press a bit more. So so many times, yeah. But that was that was horrific.
2: <laughs> the title of the show is still friends. You're speaking to mates, so you have a bit an instant rapport with them, but you also have access to some intimate details from their lives to disarm them with. Did you think a lot about this as a potential approach or angle?
0: To be honest, I don't want to make it sound that impressed that I had a angle going into it. I think it was just like, this is what I'm going to do. I'll start at the start and make my way through. Like
2: You didn't have the big research team behind you?
0: No, no, I didn't have anyone. And I think That's um, the other way I think of, of podcasting as well is so, so when you sort of get people listening, they go, oh, this is why you're doing it, this is why you're doing it. But it's like... Yeah, I'm doing it like that, but I'm just doing it. Like, I'm not. It's not to change the world or anything. I'm just having this conversation. But I think when you start a show, you don't really know what it is until you're probably like twenty or thirty episodes in, because that's when you sort of work out like what you're actually doing and what your skills are. And yeah, I think that that humanizing. If I if if I could say one thing about the podcast, I just want it to be like they I humanize people that you know that seem to be something, but when you talk to them, you actually go shit. Like that's actually what they're like. They're not just the person i see on field or the person i see on on tv or they're just a normal person
1: one person you humanize more than anyone else was your (laughs) mum. so you got her involved from the first episode
0: (laughs) literally yeah my mum's honestly like she's the most important person like she's just such a superstar man like half the person that she is i'd be be happy but yeah just getting her involved in straight away that was something that i don't know why i did that to be honest it was just Something that I was like, I really want to do this because it's my mum, you know, I love her and I just want to get her involved and I think it was a little bit of a piss take but now it's sort of like, it's just a part of it now and like, ever since I've moved back to Melbourne, because me and my mum, like we actually hang out a lot, like we we walk the dogs all the time together and I always run into people that just say that they listen to the podcast and they like come up and say, oh, I love the podcast and then they... Like want to talk to my mum more than me. Like they just love like like she's she gets a little she she thinks she's famous now, which is great.
2: You did say at one stage that people could look her up on the white pages and give her a call. Has anyone actually followed through on
1: that?
0: Oh no. I don't I hope not. I hope not. Did you get anyone to help your mum do the recordings? Totally forgot someone. I've definitely got to mention them. There's a guy named Ryan Miller that worked at the Giants who taught me how to edit podcasts. So without him, that's probably I think that the easiest part of a podcast is actually recording it. The, the hardest part is like actually editing it and then like putting it online. That is actually like the hardest part to do. So he taught me how to do that and geez, I was rough early days like of editing and it was, you know, I think that that's sort of what the charm of it was. Like it was never going to be a professional edited thing. So I think that it's, that's something that's grown with it. But yeah, he was, he was helping me edit and I was recording on the, the Zoom recorder. But then later on as well, I ended up there was a few inputs on that and realized that you could actually plug mics into it. So I bought like two, like $20 mics from on like eBay. And then that was pretty much the full season was just on those. Right. And what were you editing in? Adobe, or Adobe Audition. Yeah. Yeah. So I stole, I somehow had like someone's login for that because I didn't want to buy it. It was just way too expensive. So I had like the cheap version of that to, to edit it. It was so funny though. Like I, I still don't even know what it's called, but basically like, the whole time I was editing it, I was editing it in in the multi-channel thing. So like, the, I was edit, If anyone knows about Adobe Audition, I've just realised this now that you can edit things in a waveform, or you can edit it in the multi-track. And like, when you edit it in a waveform, it's just so much smoother. Like, you can hardly tell if anyone anything's even been taken out. Every time I was like going and like clipping words out of the um, the multi-track, and it would just be like the worst transition ever. So like, I literally did that till maybe the start of this year. So I've only like still like learning these little things every now and then, but I don't edit the show anymore. I've got a few people that help me out with that these days. So how'd you come up with the music? Pretty sort of triple M influence there. I, that, to be honest, that was literally that song. I just went on like free, you know, unlicensed intros and just sort of found it. And I didn't love the first season one, but I was like, you know, this is just going to do for now. I think I never really liked saying to people because people take it the wrong way, but... I'm actually a very lazy person. Like, I'm. I like to say that I'm a very like highly efficient lazy person. And when I say I'm lazy, I actually work like really hard because you have to to do this every week. But I'm so lazy sometimes that I'm just like, you know what, fuck it. That's okay. Like, I'm just gonna release it. Like, I don't care. Like, just get it out. And I think that that's one thing that people, if you're ever starting a podcast, don't over edit things and don't like over analyze it. Like, just just go like, you know what, stuff it. Just get it out because content sometimes. Is better than like no content. And if you, you know, if I edited my episodes now, half the shit I'd take out. That's why I don't do it. So I get someone else to do it because you're always going to really struggle to edit your own stuff. Yeah. You're too critical and you're like, well, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. But did you
2: get a lot of good feedback or, or sort of, you know, feedback either way from, from audiences?
0: Yeah. The feedback was incredible. Like I'd never ever thought that I would, anyone would even listen. Like I was going to do 10 episodes so that if I got delisted, I would then go to like Nova or Fox FM or Triple M and say, hey, like I did 10 episodes of a podcast and I edited it. Like, can I have a job as like a producer or something? Mm-hmm. So that was more why I actually did the show. It was just more to to not sit on my hands and, and get in the same position and be like, well, you know, I did this. Um, I didn't do anything, but like I, w- I want a job. Like I wanted to show them that, well, a potential employee, like, you know, I can actually do stuff. Like I, I'm really keen to learn and, and, and whatnot.
1: I think you're right about just dis- – getting out and making content we get people who come and talk to us and they go we've got this great idea for a podcast we have a chat and it's a great idea and they go fantastic we'll come back in about 10 weeks when we've got it right it's like boys just get out and do it just missed opportunity and every day i mean you you'd be getting it with your mates i'm sure AFL players or current
0: players wanting to jump in on podcasts now 100 percent. i mean you're so far ahead of them you got three years ahead of them you know i was forced to do it because i didn't have any other choice i had no other options like i actually had to do it just because I didn't have a job. Like if I didn't do it, I didn't have something to go to, but that's why I said, you know, at the start, those stressful times were a blessing because it forced me to just go, fuck it. I've just got to do this. Like I've just got to start it and see what happens. The biggest thing about like podcasting that I always say to people and if someone always says, you know, you show shit. I'm like, yeah, man, like my show's definitely not like the most cleanest thing or, you know, you might not like it, but like I do it and like I do it consistently and that's like the main thing. I think like so many people, so many people are funnier than me. So many people like better interviewers than me. But you don't do it consistently, then it's not going to matter. Um, and you just got to get it out because, like you said, you know that someone could be the best podcaster in the world, but if they don't produce a podcast, then they're not going to like have anything to show for it. Yeah, that's right.
2: There's a definite authenticity there, though. So you just touched on this before. You were saying that you sort of thought you might do 10 episodes and shop that around. Did you, when you finished those 10, then say, okay, well, maybe this is something that I could just probably do myself and I don't need to have anyone else's support here?
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I, I think after that first year, I got out 10, then I was like, sort of like, wow, like this is probably a little bit more than something. And I ended up getting another year with the Giants as well. So I actually found that the, I, there was the first time that I was engaged off-field and actually actually playing the best footy that I was playing as well. So I was busier off-field and I was better on-field. and I was like, wow, I wish I knew this earlier on. But um, I'm a really big believer in, you know, having a balanced lifestyle now because I know it works for me. But, um, yeah, after that I ended up doing the next year after that and that's when you know I was like, okay, I've got to keep going with this because I've got another year so I can't just stop it because if I want to get a job after that. But, yeah, slowly through that year I just sort of thought, well, maybe this – could turn into something else. Like I didn't think it was ever going to be a full-time job, but I was like, well, maybe I can keep doing this. And it sort of got, it was really strange because even though I wasn't playing AFL a lot, no no AFL player had ever started their own podcast like by themselves. So like a lot of players had done podcasts with the clubs and, and stuff. And mind you, this was back in 2017, 18, when podcasting wasn't really even a thing. Like I didn't even know what a podcast was. Like I didn't even know anyone would listen to it. I only did it. I, I sort of did it hoping no one would listen to it because I just wanted to like have it as like a bit of a job application, but yeah, I, I had no idea what, what it was and then fast forward two years and podcasting is this massive like beast and I was sort of like, shit, we could sort of be onto something here. Like now I'm sort of just like doing my podcast and I, I have no idea how it's all happened, but it just has.
1: So what was the vibe or what was the feedback within the GWS locker room when your podcast started to take off a little bit?
0: Mate, honestly, like we say again, with this would be not be possible without any of them because at the previous club I was at, I said earlier, like, you know, doing media was sort of frowned upon back in the day um, when I was young and especially because I wasn't playing. There's this massive thing in Australia, like, you know, obviously sort of tall poppy syndrome and people be like, mate, you know, you're not even getting a game. What are you doing with the media? You know, fans would be like, what's your problem, mate? Like, go get a kick. And I was like, I'm trying but like I can't train 24 hours a day you know like I've got to be doing some other things as well like it's not it's physically not possible to just kick balls 24 7 a day like I can this is five minutes like just chill out and I got to the Giants and the boys there were just like unbelievable man like they were so encouraging and just like everyone was like keen to come on and they were like sharing it and like I'd never even asked any of them to do this and I just met these guys too and I was just like far out like yeah, without them, you know, I honestly wouldn't be where I am now because they were just such a supportive bunch of guys and, you know, still best mates with all of those all of those boys now for, for what they've done. And even, like, you know, when I bought out some T-shirts at the end of my last year, like, I bought out only, you know, bought, like, X amount of T-shirts and literally every bloke from the team bought one. And I didn't even ask them to do it, but, like, they just knew that they just wanted to support it. And, yeah, it was it was pretty special and they're just a really, really good bunch of people. Do you think that's specific to that club? Definitely, wasn't expecting it. Um, that's for sure. But I think the guys there. I think there's something special about moving away from home. Sydney wasn't an AFL state. Ninety percent of the boys that played there were. We were all like from a very similar age. There was no like hierarchy there. It was like literally the first pick would hang out with the you know forty fourth picked. Um, it was such a great club I think the club gets a lot of credit which it deserves but I think the people are the ones that really were special there players because yeah it was just such a getting around each other and supporting each other with businesses and not just footy stuff but off-field stuff and when you don't have your family there you you rely on them a lot more so you know we'd spend every night nearly having dinner with other people my fiance was there she knew the whole team when I I was at Carl and she probably met like four guys but you know we just had a revolving door of boys just coming over for dinner and any age any time. Yeah, definitely found my niche there and as I said it, you know, that moving to Sydney thing definitely just changed my life forever.
2: So, they all obviously listened to the first episode of the podcast. Did you find that when you put it up, you were surprised how many listens it sort of got initially or what was that like? Did it take a little bit of time to pick up?
0: Yeah, well, it's it got. I think the first episode was with Josh Kelly. So, at that time as well, Josh Kelly was like a very well-known player. Uh, oh, he still is, obviously, but um it was like really coming out of age there and was like just signed a massive deal. He shared it. Every single bloke from the club shared it on their Instagram, and it went just—it actually went nuts. Like, it went to number one on the charts and stuff. And I know that sort of—it's not on listens, it's on you know algorithms and and whatnot. But yeah, it went to like number one. And I was like, far out. How easy is this? You know, like this is so so easy. Like, it's such number a one is easy number game. one easy game. Yeah, number one. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy, and especially being 14 minutes. But I think people were just like, what is this? You know, like it was at that time where you had to actually train people. No one even knew they had the podcast app on their phone. Like, you know, I kept telling people, you'd listen on that. And they're like, I don't have that app. I'm like, you do. It's like that purple one you no one uses. Like that's that's the app. Yeah, just like getting people to trying to get people to subscribe to it and that sort of thing cuz we were still working out like what it even was. But yeah, I think the first episode hit like 5,000 downloads in like a week. But then after that it they would they never quite to that until you know it got to a lot better but that was pretty crazy like I remember that hit you know 5,000 and I was like wow like that was 5,000 people went out of their way to go on a platform to listen to this
1: were you riding the highs and lows that first season based on downloads
0: yeah 100% you know you're literally just refreshing it every every five minutes just to see how many people listen and everyone that's done a podcast knows how that feels but I honestly now don't look at the downloads and unless it's you know once a week or once a fortnight One, because I just don't really care anymore. I'm like, well, I can't judge my happiness on what, you know, some people define or how many people listen to it. You just got to do it for why you're doing it. I think there's definitely been stages where I've tried to create too much content that will please people rather than just doing content that I enjoy doing and why I did it. The old uh, check the stats is, is something that, you know, I had that just locked on the front screen every day, just, you know, refreshing it constantly, trying to see where it's at. Was
1: there an episode that
0: changed everything for you? Definitely been so many to be honest but I think one that I really really loved and it's a funny sort of story behind it because it sort of encapsulates like how much the hustle and the grind was like people would think that it was sort of easy to do a podcast but I don't think people understand how hard it is and I remember one day and how much you have to put yourself out of your comfort zone like people would sort of listen to a podcast and think oh this guy's really confident like I'm actually not that confident at all like it's actually quite hard to to do these things but when you keep going I'm like I'm What an addictive person Where I'm like I've got to do it i just got to keep going Because it's momentum And you don't want to drop off And I remember I um, Hit up a a guy Razor Ray Chamberlain Who is like A really famous um, Umpire in the AFL And I didn't know him And he was probably The first guy that I've Had interviewed That I didn't know I remember Like going to Melbourne Chatting to him Teeing this thing up And then Had this space To go to But then all of a sudden Like I couldn't go there anymore And it just spun me out And I was like like, where do I go? Like, what am I going to do? So I basically, like, called up, like, 15 places. And I was like, oh, do you have a room? They're like, a podcast? What the fuck's a podcast? I'm like, oh, you know, it's this thing where we're talking. I'm trying to interview. Basically, I just end up going to, the, found this pub in South Melbourne. And <laughs> I walked in. I was like, mate, I've got a guy coming. Have you got a room upstairs? I'll pay you $100. Like, let me just, like, go upstairs. I'll set my thing up and, like, I'll buy some beers as well. And you can just bring them up and, and chat. I went up there, set up, and then he rocked up. He was a bit like, this is weird, you know, I'd never done a podcast before, but we got into it and it was just like, "This is so worth it. Like, when we'd finished it, I was like, far out. And I was like, that just sort of showed like how much you have to like invest into it. Like, you know, these little things that hiccups are going to come, you can't just like say, nah, it's going to be too hard this week. Like, and that was when it for me, it became like, nah, this is actually serious now. Like I'm actually going out of my way, like booking these pubs that I've never been to with people I've never met to just like try and get interviews and the batteries ran out halfway through mind you so I had to run halfway through down the corner buy batteries from 7-Eleven like say man I'm so sorry I had to come back put batteries in the thing start it back up yeah I think that just made me realise one like how much you have to hustle to get shit done and two Everyone, if you really like ask someone And you do it properly and you give them respect Anyone would get on a podcast with you I I firmly believe you can get anyone on your show if you want them You just got to do it the right way Is there a dream guest?
1: That's a good question
0: There is Yeah When I say that these people are the dream guests They're not I don't want them right now Because I don't think I've made mistakes of getting really good guests too early And I don't think I'm ready for them And they were like friends so I can get them again But people like Louis Theroux Or like Ross Kemp You know, like, these people are, like, my heroes. Like, I would love to just sit down and chat with, like, Ross Kemp for, like, an hour about, like, you know, traveling and gangs and even Louis Thoreau about interviewing him about his best interviews and, like, why he's so good. You know, like, I've I've watched him as a kid just stand there so awkwardly and learnt that, like, sometimes by just standing there awkwardly, it just makes people tell more about themselves. Yeah, so, like, I just love, like, watching those guys do their thing, but... Yeah, I don't, I don't want them right now. Like, I want them in the future because I don't think yet. Like, I'm ready. I, I couldn't nail it yet.
2: When did you start to put the feelers out to try and get guests outside of the AFL? Footy
0: was my my thing, but it was my in. I think like that's how I got people listening because you're listening to your favourite players and talking about things. But I was always really fascinated, as I said, about more just storytelling. I suppose even just other sports was something where I slowly transitioned to. And now something else that's really big for me is mindset. So, like, just like power of the mind and mental health and those sort of things as well. So, I started sort of reaching out and getting people that I just love to speak to, like Hugh Van Cuylenburg, who's you know written the Resilience Project, who was one that's unbelievable. You know, he he's been so so cool. And and another one that I had recently, Ben Crow, who is just a super super crazy man, just switched on guy. Like, he was a marketing director of Nike with Phil Knight, and you know worked with Andre Agassi and just crazy stories. So I think. Yeah, since people started listening now, they're the real episodes that give me the biggest amount of satisfaction and I think by getting messages from people being like, wow, I listened to this and you know changed my outlook on my situation at the moment rather than being like, oh yeah, I really learned a lot about playing footy this weekend. I'd more rather be helping someone out with their life than what I would be you know, doing footy and I think that was a massive part of it for me.
1: Yeah, it seems like season three for you, obviously you set up the beautiful studio you're sitting in now. You've got some different music, a bit more of a sort of soul vibe than the uh, triple M rock, you know, rock <laughs> yeah. guitars. But also, that seems to be symbolic of, I guess, where you're going as well. You seem to have moved to a slightly longer format, deep-diving interviews where you're really getting to address some issues and moving away from sort of stunting people with information you've got from their mates. Is that Would that be fair?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think you just develop. I'm still probably... No, uh, by no means i an expert and I, sometimes I just what, like to reassure that because I hate, I think any, if anyone says they know what they're doing, they're lying. Like I, I honestly have no idea what I'm doing. I just do. And that's probably something that I just try and do the most is just just do and learn and, and change every episode and I love just mixing it up. Like if I have a footballer one week, I want to get someone totally different the next week and, you know, I want to get someone to do with the fires. Um, I want to talk about you know aflw i want to do just just things that like i'm interested in and with good stories i suppose and even in in saying that as well i'm doing a lot more deep diving stuff now in terms of you know mental health and and mindset how do you think your craft has improved oh it's hard i i'm not saying this at all like negatively but i genuinely don't think that i'm incredibly good at like talking and interviewing people but one thing i think i can do is just I am just genuinely curious about people and I'm not getting someone on to tick a box. Like, I just want to learn and and ask questions. And I think the biggest thing that it's come through, I think, is just that, you know, just being really genuine with them and showing them that it's a a safe place. Like, I always say to people before I get on because a lot of these people are footballers or high-profile people. I say, like, you will have final save, whatever goes on in this show. Like, nothing... I'm not ever doing this for a scoop. I actually don't want to break anything. Like... I don't want to, you know, be the first person to drop a a, a truth bomb or something like that. I just want you to just tell me what you want to tell me and and then we'll just go wherever you want to go. Like, I'm happy to just chat and chew the fat and and see where it goes because um, I think that once you sort of say that to them straight away, they're just like, oh, sweet, like, cool, we'll just chat and they end up telling you everything anyway. But, like, it's just, you know, without, like, it it happening. And after every show, I always message them and say, hey, like, this is a show, do you want to have a listen through? You're happy for it to go ahead. And even I've taken out things before that they've said, like, I'm happy with that. And I was like, I'm not. Like, I just don't. I can see that blowing up in your face, you know, in 12 months. So like, I'm just going to take it out.
2: You can sort of sense that maybe it could have been quite cathartic for them to get that off their chest. But so they may be still in that little space a bit, but then give the opportunity. They might say, okay, well, yeah, looking back at it, it might be a good one to take I find out. a
1: lot of people, we always offer that. And it just the barriers come down. There's probably been five times where someone's come back and said, hey, can you pull that bit out Make it a safe space and that's what you want with a interview and a
0: conversation. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's so true. You just want to make everyone feel comfortable and that's the beauty of podcasting. I think it's not live, so you can really just edit it and, and work out what you want to do.
1: You do some killer merch. Yeah. Like, starting to show up at festivals and things like that a couple of years ago. Has that helped grow your podcast? I think so. Like
0: the, the merch thing really started like from just people requesting it. Like I never thought that that was even a thing like I don't think that anyone's going to buy a t-shirt from from me I was like that's really weird but um yeah it was so funny how it all started like I said I sort of bought these t-shirts and this guy actually approached me he said I'm a fan of the show I run a, a printing business do you want to like do some t-shirts I was like yeah for sure that'd be great so we did some t-shirts and yeah they sort of sold out pretty quickly and ever since then that's just been like a massive thing and I feel like one thing that I've been most proud of with the whole show is probably just like building a community and like through that it, it is the merchandise. It's it's a bit of like a club, I suppose. Like and it's not really it's not about me at all. It's more about like the community and just everyone else. And the best like the best messages and the things that make me the happiest are like the the seriously why I do the show is like when people message me being like one, like I really got something out of that episode, changed my mindset. Like, you know, I've been going through a shit time and just to laugh and or pick up something, that's like the main thing. But the second thing is like when people say like – when it hasn't really happened that much because we're in COVID, but I will always just get people sending me photos of like them out with another person and they're like, I just met this person, like we're friends now because like they listen, I listen and they're wearing the T-shirt – And I was just like, man, that is so good. Like, that is just sick. Because I just love to be there. Like, so good. And I actually saw, for the first time, because I've been living in Sydney, obviously came back, COVID hit. So I haven't really been out at all. And um, yesterday I was going for a walk with my dog and my missus. And the first time yesterday, I saw someone in a jumper. And I nearly cried. Like, it was just unbelievable. And I saw him from like 100 metres away. I went up to him and he saw me. And I was like, you. And he's like, yeah. And we're just like talking for like 10 minutes I was like man I honestly thank you so much I really appreciate it and he's just like yeah no worries man like do you kiss your dad on the lips and like that's you know what <laughs> said just like <laughs> laughed at that like straight away I was like yeah yeah I do man yeah that's me. Um
2: so is this a strategic ploy to be able to identify every single one of your audience as you're walking
0: around literally well I just never really thought I thought like a few people would get it I didn't realize anyone would actually keep going but yeah it's honestly that's the biggest thing I think like that for someone to like enjoy a show so much that they actually want to wear a t-shirt and they're proud to wear it like that's probably yeah it's a very very special what other things have you done to promote the show i think one thing you really should do first is just identify what your show is so like you don't want to grow your show unless you like know what it is and you've done like at least 10 or 20 episodes to work that out and people were always like can you come on my show like it's my first episode i was like man i'll come on your show but like do a few because like you you trust me you'll regret having me on early because you want to you, you wish you want to do it again. So I think firstly, just like do your sh- you show, work out what it is. But I think the biggest one that I've really learned is just like getting your social media, get a, like a page for your social media. Whenever you do it, you know, try and tag the guest in it and if they're happy to get them to post about it, obviously swipe up links are massive if you've got the ability to do that. Um, one thing I'm experimenting with at the moment is just like boosting posts on Instagram. I'm, I've literally just started that this week, so I'm interesting to see how that goes. But yeah, I think just like hitting different markets as well. like not always doing the same thing. Yeah, it's it's a really good question.
2: Were you doing it? Were you pretty active on social media before the podcast?
0: Yeah, I was. I've always been a bit of an idiot on social media. I don't really like post anything serious. I just sort of just take the piss. But sometimes feel like that's nearly the best engagement because people just love people that don't take themselves too seriously. So once I sort of got the deal on friends page, I was always like, I don't want to like flood my normal page too much with this stuff. So I'm going to like really just smash it on my other one. But I think as well, uh, and stocks would would really get me on this because we had conversations about this a lot, but the biggest growth for me came when I started doing the video side of things. And I was like, well, okay, well, maybe I'm going to lose a lot of listeners and they're going to go over to YouTube and it'll be like 50-50, so I'm not going to get the listens on that. But it's honestly just, nothing's changed with the audio one. Like I reckon that's nearly grown a little bit as well, but I've just added like another 20, 30,000 downloads on YouTube as well so i think there's such different audiences too like i i I don't know this but i think people under 18 watch the youtube and i think anyone like over 25 listen to the audio so you're hitting like such a different markets like i I already know when i do episodes like which one they're going to be bigger on if i interview a young kid that's like in the draft i did like matt rowell the number one draft pick and that youtube just went off because like all the young kids want to watch youtube but then it went pretty well on listens but that's more of just the older generation listening to it
1: has it changed your process being on youtube do you have to film it or record any differently
0: yeah it's pretty that's the youtube side and i I suppose was really hard for me and i think is one of the things why people don't go you know full-on with podcasts is that editing and filming and it's such a process it's so hard to do especially if you want to do it properly um i was really never a big fan of doing things over zoom so like even you know we're we're chatting via Zoom but we're recording through our own mic so the quality is going to be elite and then I film on my phone and, you know, you put it together and it's a lot more work but I think it's just so much more pleasing to listen to and, you know, putting that together but, yeah, when I when I release now I actually have been playing around with this year um, who, a guy that I got on board to really help me out with, with the video side of things is called, um, like, YouTube Premiere I don't know, it must it, it's probably a very well-known thing but I didn't know anything about it and basically, you know, we premiere every episode at 6.30 on Tuesdays so okay. if you want to listen to it first you know you go and watch it on six thirty on tuesdays and it's sort of like a tv show so like if you get there at six thirty-five, you know you're going to watch it from five minutes in
1: and are you jumping on the chat to interact with people
0: yeah so i jump on the chat and talk with everyone while they're watching and just like you know just interact with everyone as well which people you know people love and just have like real just take the, take the piss with everyone and just laugh and stuff so that's been really cool again another one is really big is trying to grow that youtube audience and subscribers and it's really hard to do because youtube's one of those things like i've tried to subscribe to things as well and you go on your phone and it's never logged in so you're like well how do i subscribe to this you know like it's really hard to subscribe but once you sort of build that up and that's why a lot of young kids go really well because they've been doing it for so long they've got these massive bases of of audiences
2: completely native to it
0: yeah they're so native to it and like that's why the young kids subscribe. You know, I was looking at the stats the other day of the YouTube and I think like 55% of watchers, of viewers, aren't subscribed. So it's really, you know, that, I don't know if that's normal, but it's like, wow, like you, there's so many more people out there to try and get them subscribed and obviously give the notifications and stuff as well.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because with podcasts, people have got to come find you with YouTube. Once you view something, with when we were researching for this interview, we put in a couple of Dylan Buckley in there and then my YouTube Feed just spammed me with Crazy. all your stuff. Your first goal, mm. everything just was kept coming one. through. That was a good one. <laughs> oh, that <very laughs> <cool. laughs> was good that pinned to the top? <laughs> yeah, The, pin the behind pin you celebrated one. like a goal, that was there.
0: No, nah, I don't know about that. That's not there. <laughs> <laughs> just on that, those stocks as well, because we, like, I've chatted to you about this as well. And one thing that's really hard with, and we always say don't get caught up in, in the stats and stuff because that's honestly the worst thing you can do. Like, I'm a massive fan of Gary V. Like, and that's the one thing he says, you know, like, don't, you know, man, don't, don't read your stats like who gives a shit you know like just keep going and like, I actually listen to that and I'm like yeah 100% percent you got to keep punching but the good thing and the hard thing I suppose about podcasting is the platforms are so bad at telling you like how many listens and stuff you even have how many subscribers you have and what reach it is and the, the stats are the analytics are so hard to really navigate that you don't even really know how many people are subscribed and stuff so Sort of makes it really hard in that aspect. That's why I just go, look, I don't really worry about it anymore. Yeah, it's out of your
1: control. No point stressing about it. Any advice you'd have for anyone about to start a podcast?
0: Oh, I think (laughs) you just got to do it. Just bite the bullet and just get into it. Like, I think you're just wasting your time if you keep putting it off anymore. Like, your idea tomorrow isn't going to be any better in three weeks' time. Like, you're just going to get better by practicing and doing it and... No matter even if it's, you know, you don't need the best equipment right away. It's all a part of the journey. Someone once told me that early on. Actually, journey is just as important as a destination, meaning, you know, you're probably having all that fun along the way is actually better than being where you want to be. And I look back now and think like, you know, laugh and cringe at some of the things we did. But <laughs> if, if I didn't do that, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be talking to you guys today.
2: Well, we'd like to find out a little bit about what you're actually listening to now. So what are the, some of the podcasts that you like to get into when you're not doing your own?
0: Hello Sports, Tutor Advocate, Behind the Podcast, uh, besides oh. those straight. <laughs> no, I, I, do love, I do love those shows, but I'm really, really weird with podcasting. I am like addicted to crime podcasts, like true crime. Like that's all I listen to, honestly. Like I don't listen to any sport podcast. I just listen to true crime. There's something
2: about true crime and podcasting. They just go together. Perfectly.
0: It, that's well. That's how I got into it. Honestly, the first way I even knew what podcasting was because I listened to Serial. Adnan Zayed that episode and just enthralled me. And I was like, wow, like, this is so cool. Like you know, I used I listen to podcasts to go to sleep every night, and I, I just like lay in bed and chuck one on and and listen to them. So yeah, you know, like the light po- light post one with the Byron Bay is one of my favorites. That's pretty crazy, and still really want them to keep doing that because I want them to find out what happened. Yeah, there's been a million ones. I, I think Trace. The Trace podcast is one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to, like both seasons of that. The first season is actually, I'm living like right near where that took place in off High Street in Northcote, which is pretty crazy. Like those, yeah, the true crime ones, I could go on about it all day, but they're, they're definitely my favourite.
1: Dill, it's been an absolute privilege and honour of ours to have you on.
0: Really appreciate you taking the time to break it all down. Thank you so much for having me. No, I really appreciate it. And just to be invited on the show, um, it means a lot, to be honest. So uh, thank you so much for having me. And, and Stocks, personally, thank you to you. You've been a massive mentor for me throughout my whole journey and hopefully still to come. You've given me heaps of advice along the way. Give yourself a pat on the back. Maybe Jules, give him a kiss for me. And um, yeah, well, really, really appreciate it. I hope
1: you enjoyed our conversation with Dylan Buckley. Links to everything we discussed in the podcast are in the show notes.
2: This is a partnership between the Australian Podcast Awards and DM Podcasts.
1: Remember, winners for the Australian Podcast Awards will be announced on the 21st of November. Be sure to check out the website. New episodes of Behind the Podcast are released every Wednesday morning.